Welcome back to the Troop Leader Experience podcast. I am excited to have an interview episode for you guys today. And um, since I just met my guest a few minutes ago, as per usual, you guys hear me say that all the time, I will go ahead and have my guest introduce themselves. Please tell us about you, your name, where you're from, what council you're most closely affiliated with, and how you would describe your current role in Girl Scouts. Hi, I'm Elsie Birnbaum. I I am from the Boston area, and I am currently affiliated with the Eastern Massachusetts Girl Scout Council. Currently, I volunteer at the Girl Scout Museum, so I do archival work, and I run program, and I'm also a Brownie Scout leader. That is so cool that you work in the actual museum, and or you know you have a role there. That is so fun. So tell me before we like dig into your actual experience tell me what your museum is like because a lot of councils don't have museums anymore or they as far as the volunteer that's listening knows they may not even know if they have a, a museum tell me about that well certainly I, I feel like that the museum at Eastern Mass Council is sort of the best kept secret we have we have one page on the the council website, um, but we're not listed anywhere else um, as far as uh, uh, local attractions and whatnot. We have uh, basically two buildings in Cedar Hill, which is the the main campgrounds and offices for for Girl Scouts of Eastern Mass. Uh, so there's the the main museum building is sort of a, a two story house. The top floor is a, a workroom, um, and then there's a main room on the first floor that. We have all our displays, um, and so typically we'll have three or four little exhibits going in that in that room, and then uh, we have an archival building basically across the path, which is just sort of a very long room full of boxes upon boxes full of just Girl Scout stuff. So basically every uniform I've ever heard of. Uh, is contained in that building. Um, I'm currently uh, trying to inventory the various camp uniforms that we have. We have various paper records from the the councils that merged into Eastern Massachusetts Council. Just just a whole lot of artifacts. But you can, uh, through the the Girl Scouts of Eastern Massachusetts uh, website, if you are in our council, you can register to come visit our museum. Um, We also, previously, we haven't quite started back up uh, since COVID. We have kits that you can rent and you can try on uh, Girl Scout uniforms with your troop. That's so cool. So tell me about how you got involved with Girl Scouts in the first place, how long you've been involved, and just in general, what does Girl Scouts mean to you? All right. I think when I was seven or so, I inherited a bunch of books from my aunt's mother, who I'm not related to, because at the time she didn't have any granddaughters. And so I was I was a, a female child who was around. And in that sort of stack of books, there were a bunch of vintage Nancy Drew, um, various things. Uh, but there was the 1948 Girl Scout Handbook. And I I became sort of obsessed with it. I, I remember trying to basically form a Girl Scout troop on the on the schoolyard. And so I I basically I asked my mother if I could join Girl Scouts. She found a, a a troop near us. I was a part of that troop for one year of brownies and two years of being a junior. Then I went off to middle school. I said, I don't like organized activities anymore. I quit all of my extracurriculars. And didn't really think that much about Girl Scouts um, until I was in college. And I sort of picked up the old 
Girl Scout handbook from the 40s and I was like, huh, it's really interesting that the illustrations in this handbook show girls of different ethnicities. And there's a specific section where it, 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 it's explicitly like you shouldn't discriminate on the basis of religion. And so I was like, well, I really want to see what the, the handbooks that came before and after it look like. And it turns out the school library doesn't have that sort of thing. But eBay is a magical, magical place. So I started ordering handbooks and, and, and looking through them. And the, the handbooks before and after that specific edition show entirely a, a, a white Girl Scout. I mean, it's really not until the, the 70s that you, you see again sort of the, the, the diversity um, and depictions in the handbook. And so I, I started doing research online. I found a bunch of websites. I, I kept reading more and more about the, the, the Girl Scouts. I was like, this is really cool. I really like the, the historical stuff. I found out about the Wing Scouts, which was a program in the 1960s where they taught Girl Scouts how to fly planes. And I found out that there was a, a museum in the Eastern Mass Council. But of course, everything on the website about the museum uh, basically describes it for, for a troop that's looking to go there. So I sent them this really long email being like, so I know that like the goal of this museum is not to give tours to random 22-year-olds who've developed a new hyperfixation, but is there any way I could come see your museum? Because I'm really into Girl Scout history. And they were like, oh, totally, please come down. Do you want to volunteer here? And I was like, well, I, I go to school in Western Mass. So like, this isn't great. I, I can't, I can't exactly come, come down here on a, on a random weekend. And they were like, well, you know, when's, when's your spring break? You can come, come during that week. And I was like, great, awesome. Uh, my spring break's the third week of March. I'll see you then. Um, this is totally awesome. Can't wait to get super involved. So uh, that conversation took place in January of 2020. So then Everything shut down, including the Girl Scout Museum, and I was sort of left on my own, just continuing to do research. And I, I you know, I, I registered as a, as a Girl Scout member when the museum started back up, and I started getting these emails that are, again, designed as though you're, you're the mother of a girl uh, who's in a troop. And I was like, hey, I think, I think your marketing department has flagged me wrong, basically, to the council. And they're like, well, have you considered ever leading a troop? And I was like, oh, geez, that's really scary. But like, I would really want to. And I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, well, it'd be really fun if we ran a troop, the two of us. And I was like, are are you being serious? Is this a thing that we're actually going to do? And uh, she was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so she registered and, and now uh, we're responsible for six brownies. That's so Cool. So you started this troop with your mom. And how long ago did you start volunteering with the troop? In September, basically. So we're very, very new. Got it. Okay. That is so fun. So you got into Girl Scout history. You mentioned it or you described it as a hyperfixation. And when the museum started back up again, what did that look like for getting involved? The awesome thing is that it basically restarted up around the time I graduated and was unemployed. The museum volunteers are, are primarily people who are retired. So they meet sort of during working hours on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was like, well, if I haven't had a job, I, I wouldn't be able to go. But because I was unemployed, I was like, great, awesome. I'll just show up here twice a week. Um, it's something to do. So I was doing quality assurance on our inventory lists for uniforms and having a whale of a good time because there were a bunch of uniforms that like, I had only seen pictures and catalogs of, like, wow, gee. 
uh, genuine World War II era uh, Girl Scout senior uniforms. I was like a kid in the candy shop. But we only started doing tours and program as of like this past September. Uh, so I, I actually had my first time uh, uh, running activities at the museum. And the first time was like 15 junior Girl Scouts. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm just going to have a different activity for them to do every like five to 10 minutes. We'll just keep moving. It'll be fine. How fun. In your experience learning all of this about Girl Scout history and traditions, what would you say is your favorite Girl Scout tradition? And this could be past, present, or both. Hmm. I'm inclined to say that I really like the friendship circle, partly because it's one of the things that I remember very clearly from my time in Girl Scouts. And also it's this, my, my brownies are obsessed with it. I've never seen children derive so much excitement out of uh, literally getting to turn around in a circle. (laughs) Do you do a friendship squeeze as well? Yes. Yeah. We always had the battle of who, who's starting the squeeze too. Oh, well, I always say that like I'm starting it. So that way there's no fighting. Um, But the, the real problem is that people in the circle will decide that they're also starting it. And then we have multiple squeezes going around and that causes some issues. That is a whole lot of friendship, I guess. (laughs) What is one of the most interesting stories that you've read or learned about in Girl Scout history? And if you have more than one, that's okay, too. Well, so, okay, the Wing Scouts, which I previously mentioned, uh, which was one of the, in the 1960s, the senior program, you chose sort of an interest affiliation. There were nine of them. One of them was Mariner. One of them was Wing. Um, there was also theater and arts, and because it was the 1960s, there was Homemaker, but just the idea of Girl Scouts flying planes, very exciting to me. Uh, but another uh, favorite of mine is I, I've been trying to find more information about, but it's, it has the problem where it's it's about Polish Girl Scouts. Um, so it can be somewhat difficult to find English language uh, information about them. Um, but during the occupation of Poland during the Second World War, uh, girl guiding and boy scouting were used as a way to organize teenage uh, resistance fighters. Um, so you have uh, essentially like girl guide troops fighting the Nazis, which I just think is so cool. There's a there's a really great book called How the the Girl Guides Won the War, and what's really striking ab- about the book is that in addition to you know you have various ways in which people are making rations stretch longer and and uh, organizing against occupation the way in which girl scouting gets used as a way to work with people who've been displaced so you have girls who are displaced because of the the kinder transport so they they're german children who have been shipped off to the uk and they have no family and so the how they're able to form new family and a sort of sense of belonging is through forming these these girl guide companies um and i just find that so incredibly moving um and it's it's also true in the displaced person camps after the war and there's a a a school that that gets captured in in china that's a missionary school and the british children there are organized and they keep morale up through forming girl guide companies and i i just the 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 way in which uh, uh, Girl Scouting can be sort of a, a second form of family, I think is, is is so exciting to me. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in that. I just, that those kind of things to me just make Girl Scouts feel so special, all of the above. 
on that note, why do you think it's important to preserve Girl Scout history and why should girls and current volunteers care about the history of Girl Scouting? Well, one of the things that I, I love about Girl Scout history is the degree to which it's kind of a microcosm for looking at larger historical trends. Um, so I, I wrote this paper about uh, internationalism in the in the Girl Scouts. I wrote, I wrote a paper for school. And you can you can see the sort of rise and fall of the popularity of the United Nations um, in the Girl Scout handbook. And I, I'm also, I also, I like the idea that you can look at the Girl Scout uniform and you can see the fashions of the time. I, I think we have a tendency to think of girlhood as being this sort of apolitical and uh, basically the exact same throughout uh, time, uh, a function, but girlhood is as much a reflection of the, the times it exists in as any other uh, aspect of culture. Um, it just doesn't get talked about as much because it's, it's, it's girls. Uh, and so I think Girl Scout history is it's girl history and it's 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 worth preserving for the same reasons that women's history is worth preserving. Yeah, I love that. That is such an interesting way to think of it. I, I agree with you about seeing the trends in kind of reflected in what's happening in different periods of history, reflected in Girl Scouts. And I think you've touched on so many things, not just the fashion, which was the first thing that came to my mind when you said that, but you also mentioned earlier about the reflection of diversity, both in ethnicity as well as religion in what was represented in the books. And I think that's really telling. Also, um, I think as the program has evolved and changed over time and what you know, the the program emphasis is when it comes to badges and um, sort of themes of what what projects are, are being done. That's also really telling and such an interesting point about how we think we as a society think of girlhood and the experience of girlhood as apolitical. It's actually like the total opposite. And that's so relevant to I mean, we're recording this literally the day after the midterm election in the U.S. And so, I mean, literally uh, the experience of being, of identifying as a woman and of having uh, a female reproductive system is literally on the ballot, right? And so um, you may not necessarily know this. I don't know how much you've listened to the podcast, but uh, those kind of topics we don't shy away from here. So I um, absolutely... Absolutely. I'm not shy to talk about how the current political landscape and social landscape impacts what the work that we're doing in Girl Scouts, both why it's important, as well as what girls are up against when they are coming to us in troops. Like they come to a troop meeting and they're carrying the weight of being a girl in today's society. And that has always been true in the history of Girl Scouts, that girls are showing up to their troop carrying the weight of girlhood in that time. Um, on their shoulders. So, I mean, that kind of stuff is so interesting to me. And I feel like we could talk about that like all day. Um, but at the same time, one of the other things I love about Girl Scout history that I wanted to say that's re relevant is that the opposite is also true. And one thing that I think is so cool about looking at Girl Scout history and traditions and things like that is how much has changed, but also how much is the same, how much of the girlhood experience is the same for girls coming to troop meetings today as it was when the first troops were formed. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, 
and I also think that we have a tendency to to box time periods in. So I oftentimes when people talk about the the program changes of the 1970s, they'll act as though that's the first time the Girl Scouts talked about careers and that's the first time the Girl Scouts wore pants. Um, and this is completely untrue. If you read the first Girl Scout handbook, there is sort of the the idea that obviously you're going to get married and you're going to have kids, but you might have you know, professional work at some point in your life and you need to build those skills. And it talks about the different career options you have as a woman. Um, furthermore, uh, there were pants either in sort of part of the, the camp uniform or it was non-dress appropriate uniform elements uh, as early as the uh, 1930s and 40s. Yeah, super interesting. I think in so many ways, Juliet Gordon-Lowe was a trailblazer in um, the experience of being a woman and in her time, especially to be um, initiating divorce proceedings, to not be a biological mother. Like there's so many things that um, are really interesting about that. And so on that note, what are some of the most interesting things to you about Juliet Lowe? Oh, oh, this is this is like my super hot take. I I don't really care about the founder. Um, in fact, I kind of got in trouble for this because I put together a master post for like, hey, you're starting out wanting to learn about Girl Scout history. Here are all the books I've read that seem good. Um, and here are a bunch of websites that I think are helpful. And I forgot to leave a section about like resources related to Juliet Gordon Lowe. And so all of the comments are people being like, how come you didn't talk about these books about Juliet Gordon Lowe? Um, but I like my my degree was in in sort of sociology and data science. I, I like to look at like the big social trends. And so I it's I've never been so excited about like the individual characters as it as it were. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that I find the handbook so exciting is that like they're they're manuals. They're they're essentially trying to tell large groups of people how they, they should be behaving. Okay, I actually think that's super interesting because I do find Juliet Lowe interesting. And also, there's so much more to the Girl Scout movement and Girl Scout history than just Juliet Lowe's story. So I do think that if you're interested in Girl Scout history and whatnot, then learning about the founder, there is a definite place for that. And I think for girls, it's a really easy starting point in talking about Girl Scout history, how it started. <laughs> but there's also a very long history in between when it was founded to today. So how about what is kind of your favorite era of Girl Scouts to spend time learning about? Oh, okay. So I think I have, oh, I asking me what my favorite book or movie is um so I, I I I'm inclined as far as like talking about change I really like the stuff that that you can see in like the 70s and 80s because I think that's the most stark change as far as the Girl Scout program because in the 70s they're like we need to make the uniforms look less martial and in fact the ad copy for the uniforms they're like it's the uniform for the liberated Girl Scout um, they put Betty for Dan on the, the the board of directors. Like, there's this whole push of like trying to rebrand the Girl Scouts as as an explicitly feminist organization. 
And so I think that's really exciting. But also I'm like, oh man, I really like the the senior program of the 1960s. I just think it's so like it it makes the senior program sound so much more exciting that you basically pick an interest area and go deep into that one interest area and that you would have these troops formed around that. Uh, and I, I think that it makes the, the uniform more exciting to look at than uh, the, the current khaki vests, where it's kind of hard to, at a, at a distance, um, read what, what someone's vibe is based on their uniform. Uh, and then, I mean, all, all of the World War II stuff is so exciting. I, I It's the first time that we have senior Girl Scouts because they're organizing teenage girls for the war effort. Uh, so really, I, I, I jump around. That's a really cool. What is something you want to learn more about in Girl Scout history? Um, so I again, I'm really interested in the Polish Girl Guides, um, and a lot of the various European um Girl Scouting movements and and their history because it's sort of hard to find good resources online about it. I feel like if anything, what I really want is to like try to build better documentation for the history. I think that there's a lot out there, but it's all really hard to find. Um, I think it, because I mean, it solidly took me like at least a year to find books about the Girl Scouts that were, uh, you know, not published by the GSUSA, but were academic texts talking about Girl Scout history. When it's, it's, it's all out there. If you look really hard, you can find it, but it, it's, just not accessible and I think that's a shame because there are so many girls and Girl Scouts and I think there's something beautiful about being connected to your history and I like the idea of Girl Scout Girl Scouting as being a way that you can be connected to this 110 years of history in a way that's not reliant on so these are who my parents were and these are who their parents were and so on and so forth. So interesting. So are you going to write a book? I want to. I writing writing a book is sort of like the dream. I did talk to someone in the publishing industry and she was sort of like, "Okay, so you can't just start with writing a book. You have to build a platform and be published other places." Um and I'm like, how do I get published other places talking about Girl Scout history? And then I end up being like, oh, should I go get like a PhD in history so I can write a book about Girl Scout history? I don't know. Or uh, you start a Girl Scout history podcast. <laughs> well, I I obviously have to to plug Ann Robertson's wonderful Girl Scout history blog. She she just had a a, a post about the Girl Scouts and marijuana which was wonderful. It talks about like several different issues relating to Girl Scouts and marijuana. So it's like, you know, uh, the various stories about Girl Scouts selling cookies outside dispensaries and then yeah. uh, talking about the, the marijuana strain that's called Girl Scout cookie and the trademark nightmare that that is. And then finally bringing up when they lowered the voting age to 18, uh, Girl Scouts of Nation's Capital, um, basically ran a, a, a convention of, of Girl Scouts voting on different referendums to like get Girl Scouts informed about the issues. Mm -hmm. And one of them was marijuana and the Girl mm -hmm. Scouts voted no to decriminalizing marijuana. Interesting. Um, yeah. I agree with you that there just is not enough out there. Pretty much if you go looking for stuff about Girl Scout history that is published like that, you pretty much are finding stuff about Juliette Lowe or stuff from GSUSA. There's so little 
There's yeah. so little out there. And so <laughs> I think it would be really, really neat if you collected. All right. It, it can be really disturbed as heartening because you'll you'll look at these like blog posts and whatnot that get put out by by councils. And one of the things that drives me up the wall is that there are a bunch of photographs that because they were taken by the government are a free license. You can you can you can put them in your stuff. But they're pictures of Girl Scouts at Indian residential schools. And so oftentimes when they get used, there's no associated commentary of like, well, what would it mean to be a Girl Scout in an Indian residential school like that, especially, you know, early scouting and like the heavy amount of appropriation of uh, Indian imagery or really what white people thought uh, uh, Native Americans were like. It seems like such an interesting topic, but it, it doesn't get discussed, but you just sort of regularly see these photographs. Yeah, wow. That is so interesting to think about. And yes, I can understand where you're coming from, like also infuriating to have no context. So on that note, what is something you wish more people knew about Girl Scouts and Girl Scout history? Oh, well, I feel like it, what ends up being is that like Girl Scouts has evolved. Um, I feel like the, the public perception about Girl Scouts and sort of Girl Scout history is like, okay, they're training homemakers and they sell cookies. That's it. And I I really want to write something about like the cultural history of the Girl Scout cookie. And all of these cultural histories start with um, you know, such and such troop in 1917 held a bake sale. No, 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 no. The precursor to Girl Scouts selling cookies was the Girl Scouts selling war bonds. During the First World War, the Girl Scouts were so aggressive in selling war bonds that it, people were complaining about it. National had to send out letters being like, please, you're stepping on the toes of other uh, charitable groups that are trying to sell war bonds. The Girl Scouts of uh, Greater Philadelphia sold $1.3 million in war bonds. And at the time, it was not permissible for girls to go door to door. So this is entirely tabling. And I think that's where you should start the Girl Scout cookie history. That's super interesting. So what is a project or initiative that you're working on right now or that you recently worked on? Um, so I'm I'm currently trying and, it, it, you know, this is the problem with with getting a full time job and, and now having a stable income is that it gets in the way of me doing uh, Girl Scout archival work. Uh, but I, I, I'm trying to put together an organizational schema for categorizing the camp uniforms. Um, so there's an existing uh, organizational schema for categorizing the uniforms. They're, they're basically little sort of codes that you can use to represent each uh, version of the uniform. Um, but there's no such thing for the camp uniforms. And so, you know, going through the camp uniforms in, in our collection, at least, I kept being like, who knows? I don't know what this is especially because the camp uniforms didn't get as good of illustrations in the catalogs. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to put together a resource so that you can identify camp uniforms better. Super cool. If people listening want to learn more about Girl Scout history, what are some resources you recommend that they check out? Well, they should definitely check out my master post on Medium uh, about getting started in, in Girl Scout history. But uh, outside of that, there's a wonderful website called GS Catalogs. Um, I think it's gscatalogs.com. It might be gscatalogs.org. I can't recall. But it has all of the Girl Scout 
catalogs from like 1920 on. Um, so you can really see all of the uniforms changing year by year and even sort of season by season sometimes at, like, just just with the, the click of your mouse. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Of course, as I, I said before, Anne Robertson's uh, Girl Scout history blog, uh, I think it's GS History, she does wonderful blog posts uh, about really eclectic topics. There's there's this this big volume called uh, the the Girl Scout Collector's Guide, and unfortunately stops in 2001 um, or 2002, I think. In talking about all the memorabilia, it does actually do a fair amount of commentary as far as outlining the sort of 90 years of Girl Scout history that it covers. Um, so it's a wonderful resource um, and you can often find it uh, used online. Very, very cool. Anything else that you wanted to share or talk about that we didn't get to talk about? I, as far as uh, inclusion in handbooks, I think another great example is that in the 1980s, they started uh, representing Girl Scouts of other abilities, despite the fact that um, disabled Girl Scouts have been in Girl Scouts since at least the 1920s or 30s. But that's really the, the first time that they're acknowledged in the mainstream handbook. That's a good one. It's interesting, too, because that's one of my memories of when I was a Girl Scout as a kid, a girl member. I specifically remember how much imagery there was in catalogs and like promotional materials that always represented a girl in a wheelchair specifically, not necessarily oh, yeah. like Girl Scouts with varying abilities or disabilities. Um, I specifically remember. So it's that's funny that you specifically mentioned that. Anyway, okay, well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing. And and also thank you for the work that you're doing. Stepping up and leading a troop is a big deal and it matters a lot, especially in these times with the pandemic and just the political and social landscape. It is just a really, really challenging time for so many of us. And so thank you for putting in the extra time to support girls in your area in that way. And also for the work that you're doing to help preserve Girl Scout history in your council. I think that's amazing. So thanks for what you do. And back at you. Thank you so much for, for, for running this podcast. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. I find that as a uh, first time troop leader, there aren't a whole lot of resources immediately, you know, provided to you when you start out. Um, so it's, it's, it's really great to be able to find resources like your podcast. <laughs>